0: Hello, I am Dr. Kathleen Hall, and this is the way I see it. Today I'd like to talk about weathering the seasons of your soul. Because your soul, your little or huge Mahatma, which means great soul, is moving through your life at a pace um, that can either be orchestrated and, and managed or lived from the outside in, which in our world today... And in, in our time right now in history, it can be orchestrated by COVID or politics or fear or anger or the weather crisis, which continues at every front, the social media ups and downs that we are going through, the mental health crisis we are in the midst of right now, whether it's opi- opioid addictions or uh, whether it's our tremendous suicide rate and the mental health crisis in our young people. So... We have a time right now in history where we also have an opportunity not to be the victims and go, oh my God, what am I going to do? Da, da, da. How about let's be the victors, not the victims? So what I did was um I was listening to the news and all these things, went out for a walk and went, you know, I wrote about this in my first book and I talked about weathering the seasons of your soul and I wanted to reflect on... Um, a story I told in that particular section of the book that really changed my life. Uh, Back then it was January of 2005, and I was in Europe. Uh, I had just uh, left London. I had done a a whole series on uh, global stress for CNN, and I was at their London office. So I was on a Delta flight headed back from London to New York. And uh, I slipped, I'll never forget, I was so exhausted. I slipped off my tight heels and kicked him under the seat. Um, I'd been walking to meetings all over London for days, and I was finally headed back home to New York. I was ticked because I couldn't get a direct flight. Uh, the weather had been horrible in Europe, and uh, the only way I could get back was going through Amsterdam. So I decided no matter what happened, or no matter who sat next to me, you know, no matter what the weather was, I was exhausted. I was not going to talk to anybody. I was going to put my little blinders on over my eyes, and I was going to sleep in the plane. Uh, and again, totally exhausted. So I closed my eyes, uh, slipped off for a light sleep, and then all of a sudden I heard, um, <laughs> I'll never forget it. Excuse me, I think you have my seatbelt on. <laughs> I was so frustrated because I had just dozed off and fallen asleep sleeping, I remembered opening my eyes and I was so humiliated that I was so tired when I got on there. I had taken the guys next to me seatbelt and put it on myself. So I'd strapped myself into two seats. But anyway, I ended my seatbelt and grabbed the one that the very nice man next to me had handed me. I was embarrassed and I apologized. And I quickly closed the seatbelt and then closed my eyes and I began to doze off again. And all of a sudden I remembered, oh my God, the guy sitting next to me had a bold orange saffron robe on. Oh, my God. I went, It. I, I think it was a monk. So I opened my eyes again and looked over, and there was a saffron-robed monk sitting right next to me. So I sat in silence trying to recoup with a smile and save face since I was the one that had done it. But the small monk smiled with his big white smile, his little energy of peace. He just looked like a little mini Dalai Lama smiling, and the small monk said, Hello, my name is Singh Lapso. So I was kind of stumbling out of my sleep, and I blurted out, Hi, my name is Kathleen, and I have to admit, I did notice your saffron robe when I was going through the airport, and here you are again. Um, And I said, Are you a Buddhist monk? And he said, Yes, I live in the Buddhist monastery in Sri Lanka. So um, I asked, I said, so what were you doing in London? He said, I was invited by Oxford to attend a meeting on long-term effects of the tsunami. And I don't know if any of you remember the history of that massive tsunami uh, that was horrendous uh, during that time in our history. And I went, oh my gosh, it must have been devastating for your monastery and your people in Sri Lanka Um, And I said, I understand that there were at least minimally 30,000 dead, 5,000 missing, 20,000 injured on that small, tiny island. So I was being very compassionate and said, your people must have been devastated. Um, I mean, are you guys providing counseling or mental health? Or I mean, how do you pick up a whole country that has been so devastated and traumatized for a long time now? Um, and And how do you come back from such huge devastation? and so this tiny little guy who was so sweet, he smiled widely i 'll never forget this and he said, um, "I work at a monastery. I live in a monastery with a bunch of monks about a and, and we take care of a hundred orphans in our in our little monastery it 's an orphanage. Half of our children were swept away in front of us." I just sat there with tears in my eyes. I'll never forget it. He said, but let me explain our beliefs to you. Our people don't need, you know, psychological counseling. Most of us are Buddhist and we believe that life is a cycle of impermanence. We're all part of nature, and therefore part of nature's cycle. And nature must continually seek balance. And no matter how it looks in our human eyes, we are part of the natural balance of life. So, obviously, there was an imbalance on Earth. It created an earthquake, and this created the tsunami. And the tsunami created a necessary natural destruction. But then balance was destroyed, no matter how we buried these bodies, how we had to take care of everything after this tremendous disaster. And he said, we humans are inextricably woven into nature and are part of the process of restoring balance. So, we see the tsunami and its effects as a natural cycle or or process of nature all nature is born and all nature is subject to death so in a little while after the tsunami I looked over the ocean this is what he was telling me it was so peaceful it was so incredibly peaceful and nature was restored to balance again I sat there in total you know silence just looking at him because I couldn't believe the peace I was experiencing in this man after, after such devastating horror. So now I was wide awake now and sat the entire flight back in silence, absorbing this sweet, tender monk's philosophy. His words kept rolling around in my head. I felt totally confused because humans are helpless in the face of nature and natural disasters. We live in an illusion of control over nature that results in our shock, anger, confusion, when we experience a tsunami, a hurricane, a tornado, earthquakes, right now, what we're experiencing in California on the West Coast, what we're, I mean, fires, storms, mudslides in the Midwest. Um, the Colorado River is down the most it's ever been. We have no water for farming for all the people that live in the Midwest. This, this is, this weather crisis, this climate change is affecting all of us. And most of us view these offenses, you know, lots of us, unfair, tragic. Is this some kind of evil? But this little monk in his little saffron robe experiences natural disasters as purely divine, divine intelligence of nature constantly returning itself to balance. And he finds this amazing comfort because he doesn't feel separate from nature. He experiences every event and his life is a season of the soul. And we also have seasons of our own life. But you know what, in our Western culture, we have such an interesting and conflicted relationship with nature. We live live as if we're separate from nature. Sometimes it's if we're afraid of nature because it's the one thing we know we can never control. We have a weather channel on TV that many people stay glued to now. We have our app, turn it on all the time, um, the weather is one of the main, if not the main, component of every newscast. We ominously and anxiously look for the weather forecast, waiting to see what Mother Nature deals us. It's it's so interesting. And our cultures, other cultures, know that we're one with nature. I don't know what happened to us. Why we put man, humankind, humans, why we put ourselves in feeling that we are the dominating factor, I, this egotistical terrifying way that we have displaced ourselves in in the divinity of everything the native americans the asians the indians the africans all believe our body systems are directly connected to the seasons of nature and the daily weather is is part of our being as humans these cultures have great respect for nature and the power she exerts within our bodies and everything around us Every one of these cultures know that when we destroy our natural environment, we destroy our inner bodies. Our planet is the macro system of nature, and our bodies reflect the micro system of exactly the same processes, elements, and chemicals. We are wonderfully and inextricably woven together. Our bodies occupy a tiny, short cycle of life within the greater dynamic cycle of life of the planets, solar system, and beyond. Our diseases, physically, emotionally, spiritually, come from separating ourselves from the natural rhythms of life. If we're one with nature, why do we think we can create lives that move faster than the natural cycle of life? When we attempt to orchestrate time according to our needs and desires, we disconnect from natural systems. My husband and I have even noticed in the evening news, on the morning shows, have you noticed how fast everyone's talking? I mean, the reporters talk and we just sit there and go, this is terrifying. Do none of the national broadcast systems realize how fast all their reporters and these people are talking? It's it's creepy to me. It's really creepy. After living at our farm, Oak Haven, for over 30 years, I have recorded acquired great respect for and dread of, too, great respect and dread of the sudden shock of a violent thunderstorm as it rips through our farm on a blistering, sultry summer afternoon. Rooted deep in the earth, the strong trunks of these vulnerable trees hold steady while their branches express flexibility, flexibility, yielding with great humility to the wind and the rain, the utter chaos Mother Nature imposes during these storms can appear as destruction and violence on the exterior. However, the experience eventually brings pruning and rebalance. The trees in these storms have taught me much about our human soul. It is not if suffering, our losses, disappointments, and diseases come into our lives. It's when they show up. I found that like the trees in our ranch, we all have the capacity to weather the storms of life when we're deeply rooted and can emerge transformed. The crucial element for us, the crucial element for us is to remember not to fear the magnitude of whatever we're going through, but to trust that we have cultivated the roots that can anchor and sustain us in the face of these events so that you don't become the victim. The farmers that live around us in the mountains have taught me quite a bit about being one with the weather, one with nature. The older farmers have ways of predicting the weather. They have taught me many, many, that with their great awareness, they they feel what's going to happen. They become one with it. The old farmer, JC, who lived next door to us before he died, would pick up a caterpillar and tell me how the spring or winter would be. He'd tell me when to plant my garden on the face of the moon. He'd look out at the sunny sky and say, Well, Kath, or Kay, he called me, or Kath, he said, "Um, It's going to be raining by sundown. I mean, there was no weather channel. Many of us have lost our deep awareness and our intimate relationship with nature. It's very sad. We live in urban dwellings and feel covered and protected by nature instead of one with it. I really believe that when we disconnect from nature... We lose our reverence and awe for all of life and especially for ourselves and our neighbors. We lose wonder, W-O-N-D-E-R. But the weather of our lives, the experiences of our lives, help define our meaning and purpose. Instead of attempting to change the weather or to run from storms, we can choose to turn within and cultivate deep roots, a strong trunk, flexible branches, when we turn within, we create the opportunity to emerge transformed by these storms. And in the same way, I want you to imagine a tree complaining of the coming autumn, which is what the season we're in now, and losing, and complain about losing its leaves or whining that its new spring buds aren't the right shade of green. I know it may sound silly, but that's what we do when we resist the cycles of life. We become, the tree becomes a dynamic part of the stages of this magnificent life, never the victim. These ancient trees that we watch become the regal heroes of hundreds of years of surviving and thriving in the direst of circumstances. And you can look at the cross section of a tree, and if you haven't, I suggest you do, when it's cut down and know the age of a tree, know what years there were droughts or lots of rainy seasons. It's majestic and it's majestic life is recorded within the tree as a journal. I'm concerned that the society we're living in now have all, or many of us have become victims. We're all victims of this, victims of that, victims of something. Whether it's, um, I, I, you know, I don't wanna go into politics, I don't wanna go into that right now or whatever, but seriously, we we all just feel victimized. It's absurd. You know, I'm a student of history, obviously. I mean, I read 10 major history books a month about individual people that are resilient, times in our history of the world. I mean, we've got to put our big girl and our big boy panties on. We've got to. Because the natural world does not comprehend the concept of victimization. Why should we? Each season throughout the year, each season throughout life, offers opportunities, great opportunities, for reflection, choices, and action. So as you weather the seasons, be courageous and confident that you were created to grow and learn from these seasons. The season, spring, summer, winter, fall, can guide you through your life. The interesting fact is your psychological and spiritual issues will rarely disappear, but they cycle back to you over and over, okay, through the, through your life. For example, anger, fear, grief, shame, those issues will always pop back up but guess what you have the opportunity to change them dramatically as you change as you change through the seasons of your life as you age nature in her infinite wisdom continually reminds us nothing is stagnant everything changes every breath you just took from a moment ago to now you are a new person every cell in your body has just changed Every neuron has just changed with a new connection. We are new with each breath and are new with infinite possibilities. Autumn shows us right now that it's time to let go. Be bare. Lose those leaves. Lose everything that doesn't serve you. Be vulnerable. Surrender. As the winds and cold strip, strip the covering and protection of the leaves of the trees, they don't experience panic or fear, but they trust the process. Because it's only in the process of surrender and trust the tree can continue to grow, prosper and age. The deciduous tree, the deciduous trees that don't release their leaves are either dying or dead. They are, or they have some disease. And then winter invites us to turn inward, lie fallow, sit in stillness, listen deeply. Winter becomes an opportunity to mirror the natural world. Be courageous, stand naked as the trees do. Examine the season of your life. Examine your life. I love winter. Okay? Eat some soup. Drink some hot chocolate or coffee. Be still. Spring. It's a time for infinite possibilities, potential, and fertility. Reflecting spring, we realize we are a host of opportunities. Okay? That we begin planting seeds for our new life, our new happiness. Spring reassures us that after every dark, cold winter of our life there's bright warm rebirth then of course summer invites us to enjoy the leisure and fruits of our lives the leisure of summer reminds us to rest and play we've planted gardens we're eating fruits and vegetables we are reaping the wonderful rewards of our harvest the same with our lives the seasons and cycles of nature are metaphors for us aging going through lives going through our own lives, aging is a natural wondrous process that most of us experience as oppressive victimization instead of the divine process that aging is involving dignity wisdom and spirituality and the quality of our aging from the time you're born not just when you're over 65 sweetie or over 50 the quality of our aging is in direct proportion to the direct to the strength and depth of your root system. So, you are on the journey of discovering your authentic self. And each season is an invitation to explore that. A pear tree must blossom and produce pears. A cherry tree must bloom and produce cherries. But unlike these trees, you can choose. Spring holds the opportunity, the spring of your life, the seasons of your life, to choose to plant the seeds, you want to become your authentic self. Your authentic self is when you feel at one with yourself and your experience. You feel that peace. Your, uh, your experience a sense of energy and power and connection. The ancients used to call this the place of knowing. You know. You're aware. You're fully present. This is an experience of fullness and communion. It feels as if you're living in a state of grace. It is your original self. Before you were influenced by the effects of your family, society, school, now with social media and other experiences, they have begun to shape your life away from your authentic self. Now, most of us have experienced fleeting moments of our authentic self. And for you, it may be when you passionately got lost in reading a book, a character you were reading about, or a story having no sense of time and place because the story was so real. Maybe you were playing the piano while your fingers were playing a score and your body and soul were one with the music. Or were you writing an essay with your heart and you noticed your fingers trembling as you became each word? Close your eyes. Just close your eyes for a moment. Take a deep breath. And journey back to your childhood, to a smell, a taste, a sound. Something you saw, remember a time or a place, where you felt a communion, a connection. You were there. You knew you were you. Do you remember experience confidence in the peace and the power of that? If you recognize that place of bliss, you were at home. That was your purpose. It's who you be. When people ask me what I do for a living, and I say, Doctor, Hall, what do you? You know, you're stressed doctor. You do mindful living. You do this. Do that. What what do you do? I mean, who are you? And I smile. I always do this. And I go, I'm really a midwife. And my job, what I do, is to help people remember their original song. Because I believe from the time you were conceived in your mother's womb, there was an original song. There was an original heartbeat. There was an original song that you were to sing. And then you came out from that water into the air and those lights and the temperature of the room and everything was a little assaulting and then your song became lighter and lighter and you couldn't hear it anymore and then you needed your pants changed, you got hungry, you learned to walk, you learned to talk, you learned to have to socialize within this family and the constraints of maybe who you were and who you weren't and your song became less audible less heard and maybe many of us got lost so the natural world issues an open invitation to your life okay to bring you back to hear who you are but that requires surrender and remember surrender is huge surrender into that okay surrender and nature are our teachers Nature, our teacher, is always surrendering, unfolding, transforming, becoming new. Surrender allows you to hear your song again. It brings you new life and prosperity. It brings order to your life and fruits and flowers. And the earth surrenders to the sun, the wind, the rain. And maybe it's time for you to surrender to who you really are, to listen, because your song wants to be heard to weather the seasons of your life and experience true happiness, the tool of surrender is essential. Nature teaches us that anything too brittle and too non-flexible not only breaks, it dies. Everything in nature ebbs and flows, grows. I mean, it Uh, ebbs and flows The experience of time is expansion and contraction look at physics it's all about expansion and contraction the beauty of it the dynamics of it surrender is an act of courage it's an act of trust and power surrender is your sure path to your intentional life your authentic life of true happiness we live in a culture that places a high value on individual accomplishment We are inundated from the day we're born with the ideal of achievement and success, being taught to compete our entire lives in sports, in school, in business, and especially maybe in beauty now. We learn early in life that there are winners and losers, and the word surrender is is traditionally associated with losers. So I know, believe me, I was raised in a competitive sports-driven business family, Surrender was a dirty word. My father, brother, grandfathers were all in the military. Surrender meant, you know, loss, losing, failing, conquering. Surrender conjured conjured up for me images of defeat. But surrender, as I learned in the study of theology, spirituality, is the power. Every great leader, be it Jesus, Gandhi, whether it was Martin Luther King, um, through Hindu theology... Every single one of them. Surrender was the greatest moment in the holy people that have led our world. So it is huge. Our well-designed lives may be wrought with sadness, depression, apathy, and turmoil. You may feel overwhelmed. And the more plans you make, the more complicated your life can become. But the more surrender that you experience, it becomes a healing balm. It's it's the they are the breadcrumbs the the way to lead you back to your original song. Surrender is the perfect tool to discover your life's purpose. So when you embrace surrender, you release your ego and your attachment to the life, as your life right now is the way you've constructed it. Surrender restores you to the power of your source. Surrender restores your balance so we you innately know about cycles and flows and the balances of life. you're fluid flowing, surrendering, tied to the cycles of nature, and just as the seasons, the moon, the tides all of that are the vast rhythms of your life. you innately know that there is a magnificent river rhythm, excuse me, and we are called to that rhythm when we're not in balance. We have these amazing inner detectors, kind of like our own GPS system inside of, inside of us that go off like alarms screaming, red alert, red alert, out of balance. But often to survive in our hectic lives, we've learned to turn off a deaf ear to our inner alarms. Sometimes we unplug, take the battery out, of our inner alarms. Sometimes we even yank the batteries out to move faster and faster and faster, like a train running out of control on a track. So it's time to come home. And what I learned about surrender was I decided to face the most terrifying things of my life, and I knew I would when I would surrender. But guess what? When I resigned from my well-orchestrated life, I discovered a life I never could have imagined. A rich, rewarding life that I experience now. My earlier concept of a perfect life is completely different. When you surrender, you begin an adventure of discovering who you are and the purpose of your life. A new sense of freedom and power and love. All kinds of things, magical things will happen. So, there are gifts in every season, so we've talked about that. But here's some certain practices that science has demonstrated create health, longevity, and happiness. Okay, we talked about you being rooted through these seasons. Okay, the falls, the winters, spring, and summers of your life. So here are a few that I know time and tested and science has shown us. So here, I'm just going to touch, shortly touch on each of these as just things for you to remember through the gifts of every season of your life. Number one is sleep. Sleep is critical, essential. It's something that we don't have reverence for in our culture. Turn off that technology, go to bed, read something. I said, I was personally born and bred in a family that had great reverence for sleep. Um, Naps were huge in our family. Also, when I raised my children, we had our family. We had nap time. Um, I think even when my kids came home from college and still, we have nap time. Uh, during the middle of the day it is a holy reverent time if you do that in your life now I promise you I promise you at the uh, end stages of your life or maturing stages of your life as I am in it is an investment that will bring you joy happiness a great marriage a wealth of um, energy and also insight naps and sleeping at night second is exercise get moving do something i don't care i just found the gift of water aerobics late in my life i couldn't believe it it's like heaven walking i don't care how you move yoga stand on your head tai chi Qigong. move your body it is the secret to a magnificent life and this is i think one of the most important is learning from the time you are young until you take your last breath please keep learning read 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 Listen to podcasts, um, watch videos. I don't care what you do. Research shows that continued learning also ensures the survival of new brain cells constantly because you're constantly learning. And it's fun. You're not going to believe the people you meet. Learning, learning, learning. Uh, uh, Gosh, I am at a think tank I've been going to for 25 years. And every time it's like, oh my God, oh my God. It's like having some kind of amazing emotional mental sex. Learning, learning, learning. Um, food is medicine. We know that now. Please, please, please be careful of what you put in your be mindful of, excuse me, of what you put in your mouth. Uh, next, stress resilience. You have got to take stress seriously. It is the epidemic, it's another pandemic. Stress will destroy your mind, body, soul, marriage, relationships, the job you've always wanted, the career you've wanted. Please take stress seriously. And again, just become aware of what your stressors are. You can go to the stress institute. Uh, .com uh which is one of our babies. Uh, you can go to the mindful living network .com or rlm com and find out all kinds of ways to become stress resilient. Um, and and again, it's DNA so you inherited uh your uh, stress triggers and also the environment. Next is optimism. Uh, we have lots of scientific research that shows remaining Uh, positive and having a positive uh, outlook on life benefits your health. Uh, You live longer. You even have a a, a different response to viral infections if you're an optimist. Can you believe that? So uh, have a proactive, positive approach to life. It is absolutely uh, amazing. Uh -uh. I came from Optimus. I was born and bred in it, in my DNA, and have continued this throughout my life. It's fun too, by the way. And you draw fun, positive people into your life. Laughter. Um, We know that uh, studies show that laughter uh, reduces your stress hormones, boosts your immune system, lowers your blood pressure. I'm telling you, improves your brain functioning. Whatever you do, you can choose to laugh. I don't care. Something... Happened to me I, several times yesterday, and I chose to laugh, burst out laughing 10 times yesterday, just as a discipline, as I was preparing this podcast, and it was so much fun just laughing at something. Anyway, that's a spiritual practice. The Dalai Lama. Totally, uh, totally is prescriptive on laughter. Altruism—we call it helpers high. I keep lots of five and ten dollar bills in my pocket and my purse at all times, just because it is so much fun giving money away. Just it didn't have, you don't have—you don't have to be a millionaire. Do small things, give small things away. It's really a lot of fun. See somebody who needs something, buy it for them. send it to them on Amazon. Uh, it's so cool people moved some things from the other day and they didn't have back braces you know those things that help you when you lift things and I said you're a moving company why don't you have that because we have to buy them ourselves and finances are tight I got their names and addresses and sent them through Amazon sent them both these back braces so their little young bodies could have strong healthy backs as they experience their fun in their life so anyway my point is do fun stuff okay it's fun Uh, compassion compassion is huge Uh, In the world we live in today, with all this judgment, political divide, good God almighty, uh, even divisions over vaccines, for God's sakes, help us. Uh, We believe in science in our house, so I don't want to talk about that. Um, Anywhere, maybe I do want to talk about it. Compassion. Okay, the Dalai Lama said, and this is a quote, compassion is more important than even religion. Okay, and Jesus was all about it. Uh, talked about compassion all the time. And I think if there was one thing that uh, was taught to us through his life and uh, through the life of Muhammad, through the life of of great people, and and Martin Luther King Jr., of course, is compassion, compassion, compassion. And the Hebrew word is *rachem*, which means womb. And so compassion literally means from the womb of God. It has to do with being the very being of God is compassion. So this isn't a little, uh, you know, light word in, in uh, scriptures. This is a heavy-duty word. Compassion means coming from the womb of God, dear Lord. Also, an, a Greek word for compassion is splanach I mean, it's a very long word, which is the word for guts, viscera, bowels. So the writers in the Bible use this word, meaning um, literally, coming from the bowels and inwards of, uh, that when Jesus felt compassion, it wasn't a cerebral thought of, Oh, I feel empathy or Sorry for that person. No, it was feeling from literally the bowels. He ached with compassion and love for other people. So those are just some tips on weathering the seasons of your life and, um, be like the wind, close your eyes, take a deep breath. When the wind hits you in the face, uh, when you're feeling water, feel you are the water. Uh, feel the sun in your every cell of your body and feel that you are that. Be one. And when it's storming, be out there and be one with it. Snowstorm, waterstorm, flood, I don't care what it is. Be one and feel it move through your body and have a divine life because you are weathering the seasons of your soul, not in a defensive posture, but in a beautiful, proactive a blessing posture, just like those great sequoia trees. That's who you are. Be it. Live your authentic life, okay? You're supposed to be one of those grand, beautiful beings that share your seeds into the earth to create other seeds. That, that Remember, trees bring us oxygen, that bring life to everything on the planet. That's who you are. That's who your song is. Let's midwife you. So, that's the uh, end of today's little message. But listen, we've got a great newsletter. Please sign up for it. Go to our ourourmln.com or mindfullivingnetwork.com. If you have an idea for a podcast or want to do one together, just contact me at, um, again, the website, mindfullivingnetwork.com or and Hit the contact thing and write me a little note and say, hey, I want to do this. Um, also, please remember our tagline for the Mindful Living Network. One people, we are one planet and one future. One people, one planet, one future. It's our world. Let's hold our hearts and hands and together and heal ourselves and our world. We can do it, okay, through those things we just talked about. Optimism, compassion, please. Please share us and what we're doing with your family, your friends, your community. Let's do this together. Also, go to our meditation room it's um the meditation room you can go through it either through our website or you can go to youtube and it's called the meditation room uh get our, our mindful living network app it's fabulous it's got stress tips it's got the meditation room on it it's got podcasts it's got everything on it it's very cool get our app that's cool and maybe follow us on twitter or facebook or instagram uh, we want to literally, I know it may sound blah, blah, whatever. We want to help heal the world, save the world. This is the way we're going to do it through the mindful living network. Um, thanks for today. Uh, know that I love you who, whomever you are, wherever you are. And this is the way I see it. And I am Dr. Kathleen Hall.